welcome back, everybody. You're listening to another episode of Driving to the Baskets. I hope you folks have been doing well since uh, listening to me ramble a couple days ago in a trade deadline preview that turned out to be completely incorrect. Uh, in any case, we're going to talk here what actually happened. Uh, I have the pleasure today to be joined by my first guest for a while. You guys know him from quite a few past episodes. This is Price. Good to have you back on the show, buddy. Thanks for having me once again, Mike. So it turned out uh, to be an extremely active trade deadline. I, I figured a few, even as, as recently as a couple of days ago, we were looking at a situation in which the front office was a little bit too fixated upon its way of doing things, and just we don't we don't want to trade into weigh any of these guys. Maybe uh, maybe one of them, but not the other two. Certainly not all three, because we want to see what we have going into the off season. Uh, and basically, everybody got traded. Uh, we got uh, Morris was sent out. Boyan and Burks were sent out. That was the surprise of the day that they were, you know, that they were both on, both outbound. Uh, a few uh, other pieces of news. Joe Harris is gone. Joe Harris, who I think Price, you and I, and, and the rest of Pistons fandom can agree was a big mistake. Twenty million dollars for two second round picks when the team had pressing needs. Uh, Killian was waived. That was coming, and. Uh, very recently, actually, about a half hour ago, uh, Danilo Gallinari was waived. I don't like that at all. But uh, any thoughts about Joe Harris <laughs> before we get started? Ah, man, I'm just I'm so beat up. You know, he he had such a beautiful homecoming to the uh, the Brooklyn Nets when he he went came back. We we had those big losses there against them. Man, it's gonna be awful not having Joe Harris on this team. Yeah, this I'm, was, I'm being yeah. completely sarcastic, by the way. It, of course, there is no there is no loss to Joe Harris being gone. Yeah, it was a terrible trade in in retrospect. I mean, even at the time, it's like uh, that the front office just had some sort of irrational confidence in this roster so much that, despite the fact that the roster lacked a lot of essentials, they decided to just trade away $20 million in cap space and kick the can down the road to the next season for the sake of getting two second round draft picks. And from all the information I've been able to glean, they actually didn't expect him to contribute, which means that they did their research because he's completely washed up. Yeah. Uh, you, and, yeah. You and I probably yeah. have a higher running vertical than Joe Harris at this point. Pro- probably so. Um, yeah. And I just want to add, it's like when you look at the totality of a lot of these moves from this front office, you'll see that the, the dots don't connect. Often, Very often what I've, I've come to realize is that the, the moves Troy Weaver makes are going to be great in isolation, or at least understandable in isolation, but that when we start connecting the dots and start putting the picture together, we see that they don't have a clear idea of what they're really doing. And this yeah. move exemplifies that to a T because we <laughs> needed, at the very least, some amount of NBA spacing that could have contributed with that $20 million. Even if it's just a plug off the street, practically would have been better than, than Joe Harris. Joe Harris was a titanic waste of, of roster space or cap space, if you will. Oh, enormous. And... and just the opportunity cost with, with the Joe Harris move in, in hindsight is just cannot be understated how that is such a huge re- reason for the season being what it's been. Yeah. Yeah. $20 million in cap space for two second round picks for a guy who's not going to be able to contribute. I mean, I, I disagree about the spacing. I just think that, I mean, you had needs of power forward. You had nobody behind Isaiah Stewart. If he 
despite not having the assets to play power forward, didn't do well or if he got injured. But yeah, it's just, you really could have used that 20 million. And I think the team had fine spacing. The, the issue with Harris is that he's too slow to really get away from anybody and do anything at all beyond standstill spot up threes on offense. And he's just, he's completely unable to play defense. Uh, Killian has gone too. I think that was expected. I think his tenure clearly reached an end. We got to start yesterday against the Kings and help the Pistons blow a lead in the third quarter uh, because Monty Williams, who cannot be trusted with Killian, decided that he should just get to run endless pick and rolls. Last hurrah, so to speak. Uh, uh, the, the organization was done with him. He wanted to move on to get another uh, another chance this season, wherever that is, and uh, he's gone. I, and I hate to put it this way, but it's like uh, I'm glad we don't have to watch him again because it was it was miserable. And I'm glad he's away from Monty Williams, who can't be trusted with Killian Hayes. Yeah, it's a pretty sad state of affairs when your seventy-eight million dollar coach can't be be trusted to play, to not play one of the worst uh, NBA players in the league, uh, 30 plus minutes a night. Yeah. It's not ideal. It was really just a travesty. Monty Williams, but from all we know was the guy who asked for Killian to stay when the front office was ready to move on from him after they had drafted Marcus Sasser, who it, it seems at this point they were, you know, wanting to play point guard going forward and he'll get that chance. And it's like, okay, if you want to give him one last chance, I think a lot of it was just Monty likes that he's tall and safe with the ball and plays decent defense. I give him a short time and limited minutes, which didn't happen, <laughs> to say the least. So I'm I'm relieved that he's gone. I think we can agree, even even irrespective, exclusive of Monty Williams, he's been absolutely miserable to watch for his entire career with the Pistons. Um, and I'm still kind of salty that that was finally confirmed that the guy was being strongly encouraged to do what everybody else does, attack the basket off the drive aggressively rather than pulling out for bad shots by this coaching staff and by Dwayne Casey and refused. That's not okay. So, And then finally, Gallo. And uh, I, I feel like that's a loss. I think they did it because they wanted to give him the opportunity to go to a contender, but the, the second unit spacing has been important, particularly for Asar. And I don't like losing any of that. Yeah, giving up on Gallo is baffling to me. Among all of the other just random players that we've accumulated the last few days, or that they've accumulated the last few days, Gallo was definitely not the problem. And I'm I'm a bit miffed that they're they're doing the right thing. Where it's like, could we have could you have done this? a season ago with Bojan and traded Bojan to a contender and done right by him then? Why are we doing it right now with Gallo anyways? Well, Bojan wanted to stay, and they they thought, which is funny in retrospect, that they were keeping him because they were going to win more games this season. But yeah, Gallo also, he can't really contribute to a contender. He is an enormous switch liability in the playoffs. He's a guy you bring on when it's like we're running a play and we want a guy at center who can shoot. That's about all he's good for. But yeah, I really, really don't like that. So all that said, let's move on to the trades. Of course, there was Bagley and the corpse of Isaiah Livers sent to the Wizards. That was a couple weeks ago in exchange for the dearly departed uh, Danilo Gallinari and Mike, Mike Muscala, of course, which has been a positive trade for the Pistons. So let's go in chronological order here. Trade number one, and this was yesterday. The Pistons sent out... 
Kevin Knox, who probably now leads the Pistons all time and number of times he's been traded. No, maybe they've traded a guy twice in the past. Too. Who knows? <laughs> That's a fun trade away. Yeah. What'd you say? That's going to be a fun trivia fact. Which guy yeah. has been traded um, more <laughs> more times in one year by by a Piston Pistons organization? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think. Yeah, he was traded in consecutive seasons in a actually less than one year. I think. Yeah, I, I don't think that a lot of guys have gone through that. But in any case, so Knox was sent out as salary fodder. Knox, who had some good games with the Pistons, but ultimately just not going to stick in the NBA until he becomes a reliable shooter. Hard worker, stays in his lane. Not very smart and can't shoot threes. But on top of that, the draft rights to Gabriel, Pro- Gabriel Procida, who's a draft and stash taken 36 by the Pistons in 2022. And uh, 2024 second round pick via Washington, which is the most favorable of the Wizards or the Grizzlies second round pick. So that'll be in the top four of the second round. So how'd you feel about this one? Yeah, I mean, I, the more that I sit on it, the more that I think we might, we may have fallen into a trap because Fontecchio has produced pretty well this season. But the context in which he's playing in is in a much favorable setting in Utah, at least compared to what what he's going to be getting in Detroit. And we gave up a top four second uh, second round pick, which is just a really, really good second. It's like the best second you can have in a given draft, right at that cusp cutoff point between the first and second round. And the fact that we gave up on it for a guy who's my age, 28, second-year player, coming from a favorable setting in Utah to try to bolster our very, very weak forward core, it's, I just, it's something smells. That's, that's where I'm at with it. Something smells with this move where it's like, we we jumped ahead too too quickly okay uh first actually i probably should have led with this let me just give a quick player profile about uh mr simone so six foot seven about 210 pounds like price mentioned about 28 years old second season in the nba after 10 in europe started 34 games for the jazz this, this season will be restricted free agent at season's end season averages nine points per game on 45% from the field, 39% from three. I'd say 80% from the free throw line, but he, hard, he very, very rarely gets there. Uh, three and a half rebounds, one and a half assists. So a solid perimeter shooter off the catch, can reposition and, and shoot off the move. Very primarily a catch and shoot perimeter play finisher, not really a passer or a, or a creator. Quick enough to, to attack closeouts or drive through open lanes. Kind of an average NBA athlete, sneaky quick when he can catch the ball and, and attack very quickly. But wax burst, not much of a leaper. But active, smart off-ball mover, serviceable defender. Not particularly good, but not bad either. So solid enough. Overall, a pretty high-energy player and, and a hard worker. Best suited to line up at small forward. So, like I mentioned, we'll be a restricted free agent at season's end. So the Pistons have right of first refusal in, in practice. Extremely unlikely to the guy like Fontecchio. Will, I don't know if it's Fontecchio or Fontecchio. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing his name. But very unlikely that the player like him gets an offer sheet. And he has a small cap hold of only $4 million. So the Pistons could spend up 
it's only going to occupy $4 million of cap space. So uh, I liked it because, uh, number one, I think that pick was going to be traded, period, with this team's emphasis on improving next season. Uh, I don't think that they were ever going to draft a, you know, draft somebody with, with that pick. I think it was going to be traded, period. I don't think they wanted a second-round pick on the team, especially given the emphasis on what they want to do right now. And the other option would be to wait. And and I feel like Fontecchio is a, again, sorry if I'm mispronouncing it, is a solid role player who can reliably shoot threes, play reliable defense. I mean, there's currently, with the addition of Quentin Grimes, and if you want to include Marcus Sasser in this uh, in this list, the Pistons now have four guys who can play defense and shoot threes. And this team has been desperately short on just capable and fundamentals, like just decent role players like this. Uh, how do you feel about losing Presida? I feel nothing. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> nothing. Well, other than than maybe a little bit upset that a 37th overall pick turned into effectively just a contract filler is a bit upsetting from the, the value standpoint, or I guess the perspective of having missed out once again on on these freebie assets that we seem to really struggle with hitting on yeah but i, I about the player he he's improved Perchita has improved a good bit but man i don't feel hardly anything he there the likelihood of him becoming even fontecchio is very 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 small yeah he shot, I mean, Mr. Prachita, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to any Italian listeners who are probably wanting to punch me in the face right now from mispronouncing these names. But he profiled as an athletic shooter. He shot 26% in this in EuroLeague in the season after he was drafted. He's at 30% right now in the late stages of the EuroLeague tournament. It's, I mean, it's not out of the question by any means for a, for a second-round pick taken in the 30s i mean that's you have a you stand a decent shot of getting an nba role player they're not a favorable shot but a decent shot but draft and stashes taken in the second rounds rarely make their way over to the nba and gabrielle at the so i can avoid mispronouncing his name again yeah it was a case of the tail wagging the dog you know it's like oh we don't want to take on another guaranteed nba deal and have another young player so we're just going to take a guy who has a foreign passport <laughs> pretty much yeah, I mean, I would have taken a look at Jaden Hardy, uh, who hasn't been great, but I, I just don't think it was a wise pick. So yeah, we we disagree. I mean, I'd, I'd give this trade a solid B plus. I mean, I'd, in an ideal world, the Pistons would have used that second for in a trade of some kind, but the Pistons are not in an ideal world. And I think yeah, so I think the cost was very reasonable. I think this pick was going to be traded either way. And thank goodness the Pistons got another player who can shoot threes and play defense. Yeah, I I think from a player profile standpoint, I really liked it. But once I started thinking about, is that going to translate onto the Pistons? I'm I'm beginning to get a little more dubious. So I'll give it a solid C+. Plus okay. Because it's the, it's the right player profile to target, which I, I definitely approve of. But I'm, I'm just very dubious that you're going to get what you see in Utah here. And how uh, how would you revise your grade 
if that translates to, to the Pistons and, and moves on in, into the future? Uh, B, B plus, yeah. If if I would jump at a whole a whole letter because I don't see him ever becoming the type of real difference maker that is going to massively impact the mm-hmm. course of the franchise. But really, well, well, I mean. <laughs> I mean, you're trading away a second-round pick here and, uh, and and a draft and stash prospect. I mean, I feel like you should really be getting a difference maker. Sorry, that I'm being <laughs> facetious. <laughs> I don't think that was the idea with this trade. No. But you know you know, he has a long history as, as a good shooter in, in EuroLeague. True. He does. So I, he, has, he has the pedigree. Which is... I, I do buy it, but I don't know. We'll see if how it all how all the rest comes together. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on to, to Monte Morris. And the uh, with, with Monte Morris being traded, the organization's second Morris-Harris duo of the last decade, after you know Marcus Morris and Tobias Harris, which who were basically the entirety of free agency, thanks to Joe Harris being unable to play NBA minutes and Monte Morris being injured the vast majority of the season so far. Uh, they played a total of like, I think, 230 minutes which is simultaneously funny and very, very sad. So Morris had only played six games for the Pistons. He was traded away to the Minnesota Timberwolves, one of the best teams in the West, looking for a depth at handler. They had pretty much nothing behind Mike Conley. So straight away for a 2030 Minnesota second, and for salary matching purposes, Shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr., both of whom the Pistons will keep. So I'll go first on this one. I like this trade. I think they needed to trade Monte Morris. I think you want to give those minutes to Sasser. The Pistons, I think, really need to figure out. They need to see if Marcus Sasser can play point guard. Because if he cannot, you basically need to play him next to a larger handler at all times. Because at, at six, a shade over six one, he'll get eat, the defense will get eaten alive if you field two defenders, like two undersized defenders. And he was never going to get these minutes with Monte Morris on the team. I don't think they were going to keep Morris. And so. I was happy for this return. I mean, I think it was something rather than nothing. And not addition by subtraction, but Sasser gets the minutes. I know you like Sasser. I love Sasser, and this was a great move. It, I mean, this is one of those things where it's like very marginal, but you spent a second to acquire him. You got a second back for basically six games. And obviously whatever else he's going to do for the rest of the season for the Timberwolves. That's what they're giving the second four. And yeah, I mean, we'll see what, if, if Shake Milton or Troy Brown are getting any rotation minutes to help bolster our, our team for the rest of the season. So great. We, we get to take a look at what Sasser can provide. Yeah. Troy Brown Jr. has always been an enigma to me because on paper, I mean, He's, got, he's not the most athletic guy, but he's got solid size. He can shoot threes. He can occasionally create a little bit of offense. He's pretty weird on defense. I mean, he's he's a guy I feel like should have been a decent role player, but instead has bounced from team to team. And he just there was just no space for him in the rotation for the uh, for the Timberwolves. And I mean, he gave the Lakers some some somewhat decent minutes in in the regular season last year. So I think he'll get some run especially with Isaiah Stewart injured. I think he'll be ahead of Evan Fournier, who's been a complete and utter disaster for the last couple of seasons. So, well, yeah, I think you'll see Fontecchio, Fontecchio, 
Oh, whatever. Again, I'm so sorry to those of you who are, who are getting probably understandably upset at my mispronunciation. So I think he'll see some minutes as Fontecchio, Font, whatever. Uh, as, as long as Stewart is out, I think he'll be playing minutes at power forward. And I think that'll open up some minutes at small forward for, uh, for Troy Brown Jr. And if, you know, if the Pistons like him, he has a player option, or excuse me, a team option for next season at an affordable price, only $4 million. So it'll be an audition. Shake Milton, hit or miss. I don't think the Pistons are very concerned with him, especially because he's another shooting guard. You, th- you see uh, either of them potentially staying on the team? Well, I, I guess I guess we're going to wait and see, but uh, do you think Shake Milton's going to get any minutes at all? I don't think Shake Milton's going to be in line for anything other than Monty Morris's strict adherence to a 10-man rotation, and if there's only Monty nine Morris? I, 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 wish, I, I wish Monty, Monty Morris were coaching this team. Oh, that, would, no, that would be much no. better than we have right now. I slipped up, I promise. It'll be the last <laughs> time. Monty Williams. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long day. Uh, no, but Monty Williams has a strict 10-man rotation, and if there's only nine other healthy players, Shake Milton's going in no matter what else. But other than that, I, I don't think Shake's going to really factor in for us. Yeah. Meanwhile, I, I agree completely. Troy Brown has always been this guy that's just lurked kind of at the edge of being like, could he be something? Kind of not something. Maybe he catches on. Be great. Mm-hmm. We could use all of the help at the forward position. All of it. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's generally been a decent shooter. I mean, he's, he's shooting a low, very low volume this season. But last season, on about four threes per game, 38%. About uh, 35% season before. Yeah, I guess he's not all that reliable from there, but last season was good. So we'll see what he can do. At, for $4 million for a depth player is really not a bad deal. So, all right. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I would grade this trade. I mean, I, I feel like you can't grade a trade that's this small, like in the A range. You know, I'd give this trade a solid B you get some assets out of a player who you really just want to move out of Marcus Sasser's way. And yeah, you, you get something out of it. I think that's a solid return. Who knows how good the, the Timberwolves will be in 2030. Maybe use that for as another trade ship. How would you rate it? How would you grade this, uh, this, this extremely not groundbreaking move? Uh, a fantastic B because th- there, the opportunity cost to miss out on was not very high yeah I see, I see nothing but upside here and though Morris is one of the better point guards backup point guards excuse me in the league the guy at the time he was traded had played six games in 10 months and he's an expiring on an expiring deal this is probably just the market rates all right so let's move on to the next one the the penultimate trade of the day this was the Sixers dumping salary into the Marvin Bagley trade exception to get beneath the luxury tax line. So Daniel House, uh, NBA bubble superstar, or, or rather the guy who got kicked out of the bubble for letting a, an employee into his room uh, so he could cheat on his wife. And thus, you know, thus breaking, uh, very much breaking procedure. Uh, not the cheating on his wife part. That, that wasn't the problem. It was basically risking letting COVID onto the team. And the Pistons sent out a heavily protected, we're talking 35, protected 31 to 55 second round pick in 2028. Um, I'm not exactly sure what, oh, right, because you have to send out, the reason is you have to send out something. It has to be 
either a draft pick, draft rights, draft swap, or money. I guess the Pistons didn't feel like sending out money. Anyway, the Pistons got New York's 2024 second on a bargain. And, you know, you're using a trade exception to get some assets. All you have to do is pay the rest of his salary. And that's it. You know, good move. Solid enough. House is gone. He's already been waived. So I'd grade this a not applicable. <laughs> this is just something you do. Even the Pistons can't screw this up. It's a <laughs> second round pick for for a trade exception that wasn't going to be used anyways. It's it's great. It's what you do. Eh, maybe you could have used it, but in practice, most trade exceptions don't get used. And this was a small one. It's, exactly. Uh, yeah, so maybe you can say that there is an opportunity cost for you know saving it for the future, but I feel like you just you just use it in this case to get an asset instead of hanging on to it and hoping you can make use of it later. All right, on to the big one. And this one is has been kind of controversial. At first, we just thought it was thought it was just Alec Burks for Quentin Grimes, and there would have had to be somebody else in there for salary matching purposes. It couldn't have been Malachi Flynn because he uh, wasn't eligible to be aggregated with salaries until uh, the beginning of March, which of course would have been too late. So we thought it was Quentin Grimes and two second round picks. It turned out that Boyan Bogdanovich was in that deal as well, which made it Boyan and Burks for Grimes and a bunch of guys who are extremely unlikely to stay in. Well, actually, we know that one of them is gone already. Ryan Arcidiacono, who I believe went 20 games in a row without scoring a point. Evan Fournier, who's Used to be a great shooter, but is very washed up now and has been out of the rotation for a while. Malachi Flynn, who's just a bad third-string point guard. And, uh, and two second-round picks from New York. The Pistons got three future seconds altogether from New York, one of them via Philadelphia. And so they left the day with uh, 20, 2024, 2028, and 2029. A lot of seconds have passed between Detroit <laughs> between Detroit, and, and the Knicks uh, when you take into account the 2023 draft. A 2022 draft, excuse me. So this was a surprise. This is a major change. How do you feel? Actually, I know how you feel. You made reference to being sick to your stomach earlier before, you know, when we were talking before the episode, but let's hear it again. Yeah, I'm going to try to not vomit all over my computer. Just everything <clears throat> about this move stinks to me, mm. at least. And I, I'm fully willing to admit, I'll start this off as positive as possible. There's a chance Quentin Grimes is a real, really good NBA player. The potential with him is quite high. He's well-liked around the league, well-liked around media, fan circles. Dude works super hard. Just a ultra-competitor. And can shoot at a pretty, really? pretty reasonable level. So are we like, talking boy on here? No, I'm talking, talking Grimes. Quentin Grimes. Quentin okay. Grimes. All yeah, right. I'm starting as positive as possible, okay? The upside is that you got, you bought low on a really important defensive and uh, combo guard who can also stretch the floor. Oh, yeah. Let me, let me break in here because I forgot again to just give a quick profile on Grimes. <laughs> so uh, I'll do that. This will take 30 seconds. Uh, he's an NBA 6'5". He's realistically a hair over 6'4", in terms of how he was measured at the combine, and they round up. 6'8", wingspan, very much a shooting guard, not a small forward, not too beefy. Average athlete, nothing special. 
quick enough, not explosive, not a good weeper. Strong defender by uh, by any measure. He's uh, a 3 and D man's 3 and D man. He's He rarely does anything but shoot threes and play strong defense. He's having a down year, but was, was quite strong last season as a starter. 47% from the field, uh, upwards of 38% from three, 11 points per game. He fell out of the rotation this year because, I don't know, it seems like Thibodeau really didn't like him all that much. But he was a good shooter as a rookie, too. Also a teammate of Marcus Sasser's from back when they made the Final Four. So I'm sure that uh, Sasser had some cause for celebration, but obviously he can't come out and say it. It's like <laughs> he's got to at least act sad that, that Burks and Boyan are gone. Yeah, so that's that's Quentin Grimes, uh, now the, the fourth player on the team who can shoot threes and play defense, though none of them are athletic. Anyway, all right, I'm sorry for interrupting. Move on. So Quentin Grimes, how how you feel yeah. about him? Uh, look, the upside is is there that you have something there with Quentin Grimes. However, I am kind of getting concerned that we're getting a little heavy in the guards already. We wanted to see what Sasser can do. And not that Quentin Grimes is a one-to-one overlap with Sasser by any means, but that there's already going to be some significant minutes that that Quentin Grimes is going to need to to prove that he can be be who New York Knicks Nick fans thought he would be. And I'm I'm starting to think where's where are these minutes going to come from? This is a really young backcourt rotation of Cade, Ivy, Sasser, Grimes, and that's a lot of development that has to go on. And where's your stabilizing veteran guard who can come in like Corey Joseph and just play solid NBA uh, guard minutes? And right now that that isn't there. I'm I don't know. That's a bit of a concern that I have with team fit and or roster construction that kind of marinated my mind as I percolated on this trade. And then if I if I can pivot um, to what I don't like, which you know, is... Let's, let's talk upsides real quick first. Okay, okay yeah, fair and, enough. Uh, I really honestly hadn't thought about the, the implications of not having a veteran guard there, and that, that is an issue. Where I think you'd have to find minutes, or well, obviously in case of injuries, they, you hope that none of those happen. I think you're going to see uh, either Grimes, hopefully not too much because he's undersized for the position, uh, or Cade play play some minutes of small forward, situationally speaking. Because I agree, you're, you're having Cade and Avi played at least low 30s in terms of minutes. And Sasser's getting those backup point guard minutes, presumably. And, and Grimes going to line up as backup shooting guard. So I agree that minutes are going to be a consideration. And like you've said, that the front office doesn't really necessarily always think these things through too much. But, you know, he has a strong 3 and D guard. You want to call him a 3 and D wing? Because he's, you know, he's long enough and moves well enough and, and whatnot to probably guard some small forwards. And, yeah, so the fit isn't perfect. I agree. But he's, he's another player who provides the essentials and, and has high defensive upside, and goodness knows this team needs help on defense. So that, that's what I'd view as the upside. I also want to note that I don't feel terrible about the loss of Boyan for one reason. It's not just his defense, and, and the Pistons really did upgrade by losing on defense by losing the two of them. It's another situation of you get something away from Monty Williams that is bad. 
Monty Williams loves his Boyan Cade sets. And those are sets that very often lead to Jaden Ivey standing in the corner. So there's that. And moving Burks opens up more shots for Sasser and presumably for Ivy as well. So how do you feel about that? I mean, how, how, did, do, you, do you agree that there's any benefit at all uh, to the offense? Maybe, maybe not is, a net positive, but those benefits he, at least. Is, is Monty Williams, I should say, is he a toddler or is he an NBA coach? Because sometimes it looks like you can't really view him as an NBA coach because he's so hung up on on playing his toys. Yep. So. Oh, I agree. In, in in that essence, I can I can see it where it's like we have to kind of bet against our coach a little bit and and take away his usual devices that kind of lead to the very stagnant offense that we have seen far too much of. Yep. this season and has made an already bad team play even below their capabilities, which is I, the most mind boggling yeah. thing about the season to me. I'd say well below. Yeah. Is that, that yes, this is a bad team, a young team. A lot of these dudes barely can drink. Um, I mean, among all these other things, maturity wise, all that going into it. Sure. We weren't going to be good this year. Fine. But we're playing below that that expectation and that i think is huge indictment on monty williams's coaching and the front office's roster construction and the how they are utilizing like analytics um film study the whole nine yards it feels incredibly wasteful on on our part as a franchise as fans to watch us just burn it's awful. 40, 40, 50 games of development on Killian Hayes or however many it's been this year. It feels like an eternity. It's yeah, way too 40, many games. 42, I think. Yeah I, yeah, I agree. I mean, Monty Williams has been an absolute nightmare, like a nightmare that nobody could have seen coming. Just an incredible nightmare. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think I mentioned this in the last episode. The Pistons are now 2-18 and 18 in close games. The only comparably bad team over the last... 10 years was the it was the 2015-2016 peak process Sixers who won eight uh, I think 10 games and were three and 27 in close games and they were built to lose and coached to lose to such a blatant extent that the NBA stepped in and forced out the Sixers GM you know for tanking too blatantly that's how bad it is so yeah Monty Williams has been an incredible nightmare just an absolute catastrophe it, this is not something you see in sports very often. I think he's a scumbag. I think he's an absolute scumbag who just doesn't really care. This is the only way I, could, I see that he could have devolved from competent to completely incompetent, arbitrary, allowing pettiness and favoritism to override good judgment. Yeah, it, it's been bad. But yeah, in this situation, you kind of force his hand. He did it with livers. I, I've always wondered if that was a factor. So... In any case, I mean, yeah, what, what benefits do you see from them being out of the rotation or off the team, rather, Boyan and Burks? Yeah, I, I can also see the fact that it's like we just have to do some spring cleaning as an organization. It's just got to happen. And it's not to say that those two players are bad, but that we needed to move on from them. I'm just personally very upset at we how it all went down. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm really upset at how it went down. I feel like what we we missed out on by tr- not trading Bojan last 
off or sorry last trade deadline what do you think we missed out on at least a first round pick like a a pretty good one oh really Uh, who do you think was i mean what do you define as good because i feel like any pick for me who wanted to trade for him would have been in the 20s at the highest yeah i i i think that there would be the opportunity to maybe two low first round picks for a desperate team I, I know that that came out, but that was from Mike Scotto, who's very unreliable. Oh, of that, course, of course. Yeah. I, I'm not t- taking Mike Scotto's word for anything. Yeah. But that the potential there for a meaningful pick return would have probably felt better than Quentin Grimes or two seconds for uh, Alec Burks, effectively. I kind of mm-hmm. view that, that each each thing that we got back, we got two seconds for Burks, which was probably his price, and yeah, a I first agree. round level guy or or pick. That was probably what it came down to. It's like, well, we have Quentin Grimes, who has upside, who is further along than almost anybody you're likely to draft in whatever range of pick we give you. And he's cheap next season. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He's cost controlled, which is which is an upside. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm just just kind of kicking myself. I'm like, man, we we might have really really missed out on, and maybe not. I, I can't speak with authority, but it just it just feels like we held on for uh, too long and the kind of got caught with our pants down. And they're like, we have to accept Quentin Grimes, or else it's going to be a a end of the first round, like 30th overall pick that we have to settle for. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, the talk was that they were very happy to keep him and they were happy to keep Burks and a lot changed. I wonder how much Tom Gore is just slamming his foot down on the gas pedal and saying, I want things to change accounted for the, the abrupt change in strategy because I mean, the opportunity cost here, like sure you could have traded him last season. I think it, it does come down to, we don't know what was offered. And it was a late first, uh, and, and the Pistons were looking to still be a good team, or to be a better team, rather, and, and to field some spacing and a release valve and another creator uh, alongside Ivy and Cade. Then I thought it makes sense. Um, the opportunity cost at this point is that you could have looked to move him at the draft with something. So you've, you've taken away the opportunity to potentially trade him because he's still, has, uh, he's still under contract, though at a very little guaranteed amount next season, though the guaranteed aid is, I think, in the is just before free agency so yeah i don't know it's it's hard to know we don't know what the pistons offered but i, I didn't feel bad about that because how are you realistically going to replace that in free agency if you still wanted to be a good team or not a good team if you still wanted to feel what was they were hoping to be a respectable team rather than just kicking the can down the road again so you don't think they gained anything by well obviously they didn't gain anything but you don't think at the time it made any sense yeah, that's that's the other thing that I'm I'm wondering if we couldn't have gotten a more realistic pro- projection of what picks we could have like a, a more tangible pick offer at the draft. I didn't even think about that that because he does have the team option, there's no rush to trade him. We didn't have to. Mm-hmm. So I I guess it's kind of the thing where it's like maybe Quinn Grimes probably would have still been available at the draft too, and maybe I guess they may have traded him to somebody else. The deadline, they, they traded him today have. to somebody else. They may have. I mean, he was out 
pretty much out of the rotation. Um, yeah, they they wanted but, they would have wanted to upgrade on him. So who knows? Maybe maybe they thought he was not going to be available, and and they thought it was time to move on. And which I think is is reasonable. I think we agree on that. And they just thought that a, a better opportunity might not present itself. Maybe you know. I, I guess I, I I can fault probably for not trading earlier, but it probably would still be bad to trade later because then you're you're losing out on this playoff run for these teams, and then you're just basically getting like one year of the Bojan minutes. Maybe an injury happens, the whole everything, and yeah. That was it a concern could, for me. It could definitely have gone worse mm-hmm. for Bojan. And I'll, I'll, I'll be willing to admit that much, but I still think that we, we missed out on not trading him earlier because, yeah, sure, we, we would have... Um, excuse me. We, we would have lost out on like a solid creator option, secondary creator option, next to Caden Ivy this season, but, and maybe this is too much of a retrospective 2020 hindsight thinking ended up not really mattering that, that he does provide that because he was hurt and because we've, we're coached oh. bad and we're so, so talent poor, we can't really get a lot out of anybody hardly. Yeah. I mean, the, I did have a major concern that that grew uh, i mean to be honest somebody brought this up and i, hadn't, I just hadn't thought about it because boyan i feel like is going to age well in any case but there's a difference between not being reliant on your athleticism and becoming genuinely slow and, and just one significant injury to the wrong part of his body could really slow him down to the point where he can't play defense anymore he's already very bad on defense there was this hilarious clip from a couple of games ago in which he left i think gary harris open against the magic to fade back and help onto an area of the floor where there was nobody. <laughs> he genuinely backed off to, uh, to go cover somebody who wasn't there. You know, he's, his defensive instincts are very poor, and I think it's, it is worth noting that he and Burks, they provided a lot of points, cost a lot on defense. So I think you can make the case there. But, I mean, how do you feel about in a vacuum, regardless of anything else, the return that they got for, for Boyan and for Burks? You know, regardless you know, of what other considerations there would have been. And, and Burks... You know, conceivably, if the Pistons wanted to, they clearly won't at this point. Um, they they could have gone back for him in, in the off season. He was he was expiring either way. But how do you feel about the return if it's just entirely in a vacuum? I still would have preferred just getting our first back. Uh, there was they were not going to trade that first. I think that was made clear. I know, and I wouldn't I have either. That that could end up being a pick within the lottery at the very least. I mean, the Knicks were stocking up to to make a major trade. Oh yeah, they're they're circling the Donovan Mitchell situation very very obviously, <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, so I would have held held ground and maybe looked elsewhere on the Knicks and be like, okay. Anywho, I yeah I feel that I I am more concerned about the fit than I was initially. So that's going to lower my feeling. Are we ready to give grades, or do you have anything else you want to discuss about this trade? I mean, I would say that it does make the team significantly younger. It does take two guys off the team who were taking a lot of shots. Burks, who knows if he would have been back. 
Um, it is a lot of scoring gone, and other guys are going to have to step up, but it also provides opportunities, and it takes away one of Monty Williams' very unfortunate, many unfortunate ways of doing things. Like against Orlando, he blew his 18th close game, in part because he ran two really bad Kate Ivy, excuse me, uh, Kate Boyan sets late in the game with everybody else standing still. <laughs> like you said, it sucks that you have to take this away from your coach. And and I hope that Tom Gores is aware that things are... Um, well, I'm just about to make... I, I really don't like theater, and I almost just made a, uh, a Hamlet reference that something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe say that he, he realizes that the emperor has no clothes, to use another literary reference. I hope he's aware that Monty sucks, put it that way. So I do see some benefits. I mean, Grimes... Hopefully it can be something you get a year to see in a cost-controlled contract. You get a stronger defender. You get minutes and, and time for young guys and for whichever free agents they bring in. And you, you improve your defense significantly overall. But also it's just you're moving on. You want your veterans, ideally, like this, who are just shooters and not defenders. I mean, you want them to be – it's just not ideal, and you want them to be secondary. And the Pistons did get some shooting back. So it wasn't the case, it wasn't the case which I was afraid of, that they were just going to trade Boyan and Burks and have horrible spacing for the rest of the season. That hasn't been the case. So all right, so what's your grade? C minus. Oh dear. Uh, <clears throat> I would give this one just because I feel like the return wasn't great for the both of them. I, I like the way that you did it, just looking at each one in isolation. I agree that two second round picks was probably just the market for Burks, period. And then, and then Boyan for Grimes, a significantly younger player who's cost control for next season. And, you know, and, and was a genuinely good starting shooting guard last year. He'd be back up for the Pistons, but, you know, who knows? He plays well, you extend him, and then he's a trade chip. I mean, that's, that's something to think about, I think. So I'm going to give it a B-. minus. I think your, your questions about fit and, and where you're going to find the minutes are reasonable. But... I just do feel good, much better than I thought I would about Boyan and Burks moving on in this team, being able to do things a little bit differently. I think it would have been much more of a slam dunk if the Pistons had gotten like a good power forward out of the bargain, but I think that was a lot. The starter caliber power forward, but I think that's a lot to ask for. You're not going to get that out of a playoff team that wants to improve. You know, it's not like we're going to trade these. We're going to trade a guy with value away right before, you know, before the playoffs. It's not going to happen. I guess you could have gotten assets and flipped it, you know, and flipped them to another team, but... Again, it might come out that somebody something was available and the Pistons passed on better, but I think until we hear about that, which I think could make the trade better or worse, I think that's where I stand. So, all right, quick wrap up. Let's just talk outlook for the rest of the season. And yeah, I mean, how, how do you feel? How do you think? I mean, we got about 30 games left. The season has unfortunately been extremely, uh, very difficult. And this is well over half over, only about two months left of basketball. So uh, how do you think things are going to look for the rest of the season with Morris gone, with Burks gone, with Boyan gone, and, and with Grimes and, and Fontecchio in the, sorry, in the, <laughs> in the rotation. Fontecchio, whatever. Anywho, yes. Fettuccine Alfredo. Now, oh, now we're all, the, all of the Italians are... are Wait, can you... Arms. Did you watch The Sopranos? Have you seen that I show? I did. Okay, yes. well, we could just sit here and make Sopranos. I wish I'd known oh, that we could have. No, maybe we this, could. maybe that, maybe that would have been a little bit uh, insensitive to Two make Sopranos references. Two on the nose, anyways. It's it's water yes. over the dam. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Um, 
all right, I, I, is that an ice truck that's pull, pulling out? Uh, are we about to get get disappeared? Anyways, okay. Yeah. So, um, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, because you're right. It's going to finally clear the air for just raw. We're playing the young guys and seeing what, what happens. This team is incredibly, incredibly young. At yeah. this point, we got rid of the two oldest players. Three oldest players on the team are gone. Wait, is is uh, is is the the guy we got from the whose name I don't oh, want to mispronounce from the Jazz? Is he now the oldest player on the team? No, aside from Muscala. Muscala, is he the oldest player? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I I forgot Muscala, but so we got three of the four oldest players on the team are gone. Gallo obviously is gone as well, which is also a bit miffing. But anyways, okay, so moving forward here. I want to see more run through Ivy than we have been doing so far. In general, although I do agree that Cade is a good player and is probably going to even be a great player, to some extent, we don't know yet. However, in general, I have found that when Ivy is on and the, the offense is flowing through him for stretches... That is when this team is most fun and most watchable. Just the the level of athletic mismatch he produces is the one of the best assets we have on the team because his is actually functional to some extent in a half-court offensive setting, mm-hmm. which is kind of the thing we're missing out on Asar right now is that, yes, Asar is also a very different level athlete, and Duran is too, but he's not a creator like that. And the thing that we need right now is just difference makers. We need more Ivy to really show, okay, my first step is so elite that it doesn't really matter who's guarding me. I oh, yeah, t- top five in terms of first step and top speed, without yeah. a doubt. It's, <clears throat> he is an alien when it comes to his first step. It is ridiculous how fast he, he explodes oh, yeah. off of standstill, practically. So, point being... I want to see more run through Ivy. Well, I think this, not I, I mean, not Ivy standing in the corner. That's for sure. Oh um, yeah. Oh man, this coach, so, dude. This uh, coach. Uh, yeah. I I'm so upset. Okay. Uh, anyways. Yeah. I mean, how, how about how about this radical concept, which which doesn't seem to have which Uh-oh. doesn't seem to have occurred to this coach of using them together on sets. Whoa, whoa, easy. There. That's don't, yeah. That's don't hurt yourself, Mike. Mike. Yeah. Easy. Th- uh, I know that. I, I mean, I know that we th- we don't. There's always the risk of making basketball evolve more quickly than than humanity, than is really safe for humanity. But I mean, I, I just I have to say it. Yeah, obviously, this is this is not rocket science. Aside from to a coach who just doesn't care about anything. Uh, yeah. I mean, a coach who had to be forced by the front office to start Ivy and then forced by the front office to, to give Ivy more of a handling role. and Yeah, I mean, that would be the ideal situation. I think that they can work very well in tandem. Have Cade attack in the pick and roll, draw coverage. Ivy bolts in, pass the ball to Ivy, who draws coverage. Either, you know, either scores in the net or passes to a three-point, you know, to a shooter on the perimeter. That guy kicks if necessary. And that guy kicks if necessary or attacks the closeout. And it's like, this is very, very easy stuff. Or just, yeah, like you said, run more through Ivy. Uh, because it's a real change of pace if you have to try to, to tailor your defense to guard Cade, who's much more methodical, and Ivy, who's much more explosive. So I agree. I hope we see that. I think 
Monty Williams, as always, is the confounding factor here. Yep. So that's that's kind of my hope for the rest of the season is that there's nothing else on this team to do other than to play more through Ivy. Uh, what about there's... Sasser? You want to get uh, Sasser some run? I think uh, you want Sasser moving constantly on the ball, but he ends up in the corner too, even though I, he should I be know. like a, a Duncan Robinson type mover off the ball. Yes. Yes. That is the only way to really, I think, maximize Marcus Sasser's movement shoot it is as a movement shooter is what i was what? trying to say that yeah. is his his difference level is that he has such clean repeatable form that can be utilized off movement that we need more sets where where sasser is this this little buzz uh honeybee just buzzing around the court getting different looks you know just pivoting into the new weak spot in the defense that's what I would like to see more of as well. And maybe even running more through Sasser in the the minutes where I, Ivy and Cade aren't on the floor because we need to see if he can be a point guard too. Yeah, he's, it's just, well, we'll see it, but Monty Williams loves his all bench lineups. But we'll see it, which, which happened <laughs> better lately now that you have, you know, five guys who, um, who can four guys who can shoot alongside Asar, but still not really ideal. But I mean, again, yeah, it comes down to the coaching if he's willing to do it. As an on-ball player, I've been more impressed with Asar, excuse me, with, uh, with Sasser as a passer. I think he's just going to kind of grade out as not an elite passer by any means, just a guy who parlays the attention he draws because he's, he's done very well as a pull-up shooter for the most part into just easy passes to open guys. Do you see any Lou Williams and Marcus Sasser? So I see some Lou Williams and Marcus Sasser, just an off-the-dribble shooter who can who can just hit open guys. I like that. Maybe yeah, I mean, not, I, I don't like think he's going to hit 20 points per game like Lou Williams did. But he's going to be yeah. of Lou Williams' caliber when he was at his zenith. <clears throat> yeah, but, but Lou Williams was... I mean, Sasser is a much better defender than Lou Williams. Oh, oh, for sure. Uh, night yeah. and day on, in that regard. So, yes, we lose the athleticism, gain the defense. More of a, 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 a true three-point threat than Lou Williams was but yeah I could I could see that sort of archetype for him where he's off the bench comes in changes the the whole pace of the game kind of around him and we need that so I hope we, we see we see some signs of life from from Sasser so maybe to, to tie this all together this is this next 40 or so games is all about the guards 30, 30. we only got 30, 30 left oh that's right 30 yeah. is the next 30 or so games is for me all about the guards. Well, yeah, that's that's who you got right now. I mean, you'll have to see Duran make some progress on defense, which has been an issue, though. Yeah, on offense, he's been tremendously improved over last season. Yeah. You'd like to see Assard. Well, he's probably just going to keep doing what he's doing, and he's got to work, you know, every minute of every day <laughs> on his shot in the post, you know, in the in the off season, which I'm, I think he's he's a hard worker. You can't take that away from him for sure. I think he'll work hard on it. But uh, I'd, I'd say it's almost kind of like the end of an end of an era for the existing team, not just Killian being gone, but moving on from Boyan and Burks. And uh, we'll see what can be done with the cap space in the summer. I mean, that's that's going to be a big yep. swing factor. Huge. We have tens of millions in cap space. I forget. I think the it's exact above number. sixty million at this point. Yeah, it feels yeah, feels so. like we have a max slot plus. Yeah. yeah. Well, the question is, I mean, yeah. Well, that's that is the question for a, for a different. Uh, you know, different discussion for a different episode. So uh, in any case, uh, yeah, I think we can, we can wrap it up here. Any closing words? I think we've probably Thanks settled basically me. everything already. 
And let's hope the next time we speak, we are no longer held hostage by a basketball terrorist. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, the Pistons desperately need to get rid of him. Just desperately. I, I, I just I don't buy in at all to the let's see what he can do with a better roster. I mean, he has been <sighs> destructive, and I think a lot of it has been just him not caring. And, and I, that there's, there's still the possibility that he just wants to get fired and walk away with his money. Yeah. Anyways, thanks for having me again, Mike. (laughs) Absolutely, man. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. So, folks, uh, as always, thank you all for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Catch you in the next episode.